Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody, here we are. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, we've got uh, some interesting guests here. We're talking about our favorite subject. Turkeys. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, we are. So, Dudley, I'm looking at you. You look like, man, you're just so relaxed, and you don't have a care in the world. I don't. You're leaving for I'm, Europe. I'm a, I survived the great American greenhouse covering event. Yeah, we did good. This week. We put roofs on the greenhouse. We also had the properties conference, so we had a ton of guests in town it's good to see everybody there yeah so, it was I'll a be, bunch of yeah, bunch of uh the real estate agents so. Yeah. So, so dudley you're leaving for europe here yeah, you're gonna miss a couple of two I'm, three podcasts i'm gonna miss a, a podcast or two but I'm, mm. I'm going with my family to london on a church trip nice will so, you be back before turkey season opens I don't know if I want to tell people that I'm going to be gone at the beginning of turkey season, but I, oh, okay. I do have well, play, I have place markers uh, in my favorite spots. So. Can I look at your onyx before we leave? No. Okay. Yeah. So right. you is it uh, Eastern from Miriam's in London? I, <laughs> I don't know, and, and no more rubbing it in. I'd, I'd appreciate it very much. He's kind of sore about it. Yeah, he is. Well, wow, how about he's that? He's not even giggling. So have they ever <laughs> attempted to stock wild turkeys over in Europe? I think Germany. I've seen some YouTube videos over in Germany of wild turkeys. I don't know that they've taken, and I can't confirm it, but if you Google wild turkeys in Germany, stuff comes up. So hmm. there may that, be some. That's all the world needs is one more place for Jason to go kill a turkey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. So that voice y'all heard, that was Jason Hart, uh, who's – we're so excited. No is, horns, uh, please. Is, uh, please uh, save them. Is, is back here uh, at Back Mosey home. Oak. Yeah, back we're home. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Home. Yeah. Home. The that's operable right. word is yeah. home. Yeah. I am honored to be here. My last time in the Gamekeeper studio was April 21st, two years ago. And uh, it was very special, and I had no idea that I'd be the next time I'd be an employee. And, and so, yes. And with that being said, I had never listened to the Gamekeepers podcast before that day, and then I became a big fan of all of y'all. So, I am absolutely honored to be here. And our guest today is—I uh, uh, hate to use the term—a hero of mine, but yeah, he is—he uh, is the man when it comes to turkey hunting. So, save the horns for. For, for our guest. Well, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce him, since you probably know him better than anybody. Yeah, so I, I'm going to introduce a friend of mine that I met on turkey hunting forums years ago, and then we became text message buddies and only met a few times, but uh, I have he, is, he has published three books on the subject of 
killing and hunting wild turkeys in every state in America. And this gentleman is, to my knowledge, has harvested a turkey in all 49 states, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but yes, he's done it four times and is very close to his fifth. Wow. And the gentleman is from Indiana, and his name is Mr. Tom Doc Weddle. So, well, Doc, we're excited to have you. Yeah. Speechless. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt Thanks, about Doug. it. I appreciate that. Quite build up. Well, we got a full crew in here. I'm going to set the stage for you. So, filling up, uh, kind of leisurely laying on our couch is Jason over here. And, and at the end of the table is Toxie. He just walked in and sat down, and he's uh, he looks like he's highly caffeinated. So this could be we could be in for a, a a a good one here this morning. Lanny is checking Facebook Marketplace, I think, as we speak. I'm I'm not sure. Oh, always. Yeah, and uh, Dudley's over here. I'm not sure what Dudley's doing. He's but lamenting. Dudley, I'm he's, trying to see what Lanny's looking at. <laughs> he's lamenting. He's doing something I guarantee you, Doc wouldn't do for the opening weekend of turkey season. Correct. He wouldn't be in London. Yeah. I'm not sure many of us would do that, Dudley, no. to be honest with you. My hat's off to you. Well, hey, better I, man than me. I love my family. That's a family man. Right? That's right. Big time. I, I Barely mean, more yeah. than turkey hunt. That is the ultimate take one for the team from a Mossy Oak member. And I think I'll be earning some karma points. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's the way I, I Is the pain worth the gain? I'm going to have the best late season ever. Yeah. Well, so, good. And that's a good attitude. Yeah, good for exactly you. Right. That is good. Yeah. Well, well, we'll let you know how it's going. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> so let's just do a little housekeeping before we get this one started, Doc. If you'll hold on for a second. I'm looking up. We've got two more people, young men here in the room with us. we got Mac Thatcher, who is a fact checker. Now, so don't let that scare you because we haven't really jumped in here and checked anybody's facts uh, in a long time. But so Mac's here. We'll have some trivia questions for you later. We've got a mustachioed uh on the board podcast producer uh rob kenny sitting in helping in the this house and so he's there so so now that we've kind of got this going mac you're looking at me uh who is this episode brought to you by it is sponsored by duluth pack and oh, they have yeah. a gamekeeper collection oh it's oh, awesome. nice our buddy tom sega yeah, yeah they, they make great stuff if you go, so guys, great go to, company, great story great yes. culture just yeah. a great company brand all the way around great made people. in america yes yeah. sir yeah and so you can go to Duluth Pack, and then they have these collections. They have a GameKeeper collection that's got – Matt, can you list some of the stuff they've got there? Absolutely. So they've got bags, duffels, grab-and-go briefcases, purses, shell bags. I mean, really anything a GameKeeper needs. Hmm. Yeah, Dudley Purse. You might could use that um, in London when you're over there. Well, you know, um, <laughs> I, I grew up hunting with a ditty bag, not a turkey vest. Yeah. And some people refer to that as a man purse, but uh, – Yeah. I got. I have a duck purse. I mean, a, a ditty bag with a ditty bag with an inner tube on it. It's a satchel. And actually, you know, yeah, I, there we go. You know, That's a better. Tom, but I, I know he told me one time Duluth Pack is is very popular over in in Asia and Europe. There, hmm. it's you know made and been it's a hundred plus year old company made in. Up in Duluth, Minnesota, and that's they sell a lot of stuff over there. And kinda it, it lasts school. more than a lifetime. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so guys, I would encourage you to go to DuluthPack.com and check out the Gamekeeper collection and support them. If the stuff is, uh, you know, it's admittedly a, it, it's expensive, but it will, like Dudley said, it'll last a lifetime. Heirloom, heirloom quality. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Tom, for helping produce that. And um, they've got a, they're actually, 
if I'm thinking right, they've got a retail store up there that people mm-hmm. in that area can travel to and see, and I think it's just incredible. Yes. Yeah. So, obviously, you've been there. Well, no. Randomly enough, my older brother was on a business trip in Duluth, and I told him, man, you ought to stop by the store. And he walked in and asked for Tom Sega, and they're like, uh, who's this guy? And sure enough, Tom, <laughs> Tom came out. He's like, hey, you're friends with my brother. And Tom gave him a tour of the warehouse, and you know, no, wow. nobody just goes up and asks for the CEO because the people in the front retail are like, uh, we we don't know Mr. Sega. And he came out and gave my brother, just showed him a welcome time, and I'm sure if anybody on this uh, podcast would do the same, he'd probably welcome you with open arms. Just a, Just an absolute gem of a gentleman. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, so let's get this thing started. Doc, I'd like for you right off the bat just to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became so obsessed. How did all this get started? Well, uh, you know, I grew up um, hunting and fishing. My dad was the manager of a big uh, reservoir in Indiana, and so I was always either on the water or in the woods around the lake. Uh, We hunted everything, everything from grouse and ducks and squirrels and rabbits and everything we had. But we didn't have any turkeys. And then when I was a teenager, they started stalking them in the National Forest pretty close to my house. And uh, I always heard tales about turkeys and, and had a mild curiosity about them, but I still had never seen one. And then one of my dad's uh, uh, workmates was an older gentleman, and he was a turkey hunter, the only one I'd ever even heard about or talked to. And he was a guy that I admired from the time I was born. A uh, fascinating guy named Bill Med, and uh, as I was a late teen, I realized that uh, he was a turkey hunter. And I used to sit and, and talk to Bill. He'd give me trapping advice. And, you know, he was just a knowledgeable guy about critters and everything, and I, I just loved the guy dearly. And and I'd sit and talk to him, and he had a big turkey stand on the wall behind him, and I I, I was just captivated by that. And, and his stories, he was traveling to uh, Arkansas and Missouri back in the, oh gosh, probably in the 70s. And that that kind of lit the fire. And then uh, a few years later, I was probably, I was 23 before I ever went turkey hunting. And you know how it is, once you hear one gobble, that's, that's got you by the short hair for the rest of your life. And and. Uh, and I was lucky to kill the bird the first year and the second year, and then uh, I got skunked a couple of years, and that just kind of further built me up and fired me up. And uh, by the time I was in the, into my fifth year, I decided to quit my job and, and spend as much time as I could turkey hunting, and it's it's just gotten worse since then. <laughs> feel your pain. That's all I do now. I think everybody There's in the no room feels your work pain. <clears throat> That's so awesome. The, the envy of millions. Yeah, that's yes. exactly right. So you have arranged your life where during when the start of turkey season, you basically take off and hunt during the entire turkey season, and then eventually, sometime in probably May, you go back to work. Is is that right? Yeah, but not till June. June. Not till June now. Turkey season, and some years in May in Maine and Michigan, it runs through the seventh of. Of June, so I'm not back to work till <laughs> till I have to be, which is sometime in the first or second week of June. But yeah, yeah, that's just the way I've, I've arranged my life. So I'm I'm looking at Toxie. How 
I'd love to try this one year. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you doing sabbatical? Uh, Doc, do you have a do you have an opening for Bobby wherever you work? <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Well, um, so there's obviously, you know, all as Bobby would say, all 14 of our listeners are dying to know uh, what you do so you can take three to four months off every spring to chase your passion around when i first started the traveling bus it was i found a job planting pine trees hand planting uh loblolly pine trees and it went all the way through winter and then ended about the time turkey season started it not only gave me the time off to do that it also put me in great shape because um you know it was just hard physical labor hand planting pine five six thousand of them a day and uh that got me ready for the for the rigors of turkey season. I bet and then it I did. Into, I lucked into a guy, uh, I'm a carpenter, you know, in my, my other life, and uh, I ran into a guy, uh, I went to school with one guy, and his brother owned a company uh, around here, and they did historical restoration of old houses and stuff, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to work for him, so I finally got an interview with Chris, and, and uh he said, uh, I, I told him, I said, uh, I I'd love to work for you guys, but I, I can't really do it if you've got a problem with me going turkey hunting in the spring. And he said, well, how much time off do you need? And I looked at him straight up, and I said, uh, well, um, March to June could <laughs> just about be right. And, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And he scratched his head, and he looked around a little bit, and he goes, well... I got no problem with that. <laughs> that, would, that would be divine that intervention. Yeah, no doubt about it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> divine intervention for sure. Yeah. 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 And he's the nicest guy in the world. Uh, you know, he runs a small company and, and uh, not so interested in making money as he is interested in, in uh, fixing up old houses and salvaging old places, you know, he's, He's in it for ulterior, different different reasons than just making a dime. So, so he's fine with me taking off. And once I did it the first year, then I'm now I'm grandfathered in, and he can't make me come back to work. From that point on, I've been with him 29 years. So oh, that's it seems awesome. to be working out for both of us. I guess. I'm sure the other nine months out of the year, you're nose to the grindstone. Yeah, we hit it pretty hard. Yep. Wow. But then there's duck season comes in in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, deer season, duck season, whatever. It, ne it never stops for me. I mean, uh, what it was never stops. Yeah, yeah. The, the Bob Dixon ad from a long time ago said right. at Mossy Oak, there's two seasons. There's hunting season, and there's getting ready for hunting season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, Doc, is there as spring approaches? Are there certain states that you just salivate over when you think about? Oh, oh we're, I'm going, going here more than others, and are there states that you dread going to? I salivate over just about all of them, but I mean, there are a few, I guide in Florida for about a month to start the season. So, and I love Florida turkey hunting. I love native Florida and the wild Florida, um, those Osceola's and those, you know, alligators and snakes and all the predator, uh, avian predators and everything you see down there. It's just like no place else in the world. Mm -hmm. Jungle, you're hunting in jungle. That's cool. I love Hawaii. I'm uh, I'm a little on the edge right now. I've got some buddies, young buddies, in Indiana here, and they're in Hawaii, 
right now, and they stacked up a bunch of turkeys yesterday. So mm. I'm kind of nervous right now. I feel like I should be out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the I love the the Northeast. All those states up in that Northeast section that really intrigued me a lot. Um, the Western states, you know, with the with the pretty mountains from Marion's and stuff. Um, there's a few that I. I love them all. They've all got something interesting, something unique that makes them special. So I, I, I love them all. But there's there's a couple that are a little more difficult. Um, I'm a public land hunter almost exclusively, so trying to draw a tag in Nevada, which I think they gave out six maybe this year, maybe five. Um, that's always a hard one, hard draw. Um Rhode Island and Delaware have kind of been my nemesis over, over many years. But even then, even these states that I've mentioned is not my not my greatest favorite. I've still had great hunts in all of them. Hmm. I just like seeing new dirt and uh, hiking over ridges I've never been on and hearing turkeys and habitat I've never seen. Hmm. Lanny, I see you nodding your head. That 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 whole hunting on public ground in all these states—that's a oh, that's exciting. There's yeah. no question about that. I was just wondering, like, how do you judge when you leave? Because you got—I mean—a pretty specific time frame. You know, do you allocate a, a certain amount of days in each state, or do you hang in there till you get one? Yeah, I mean, when I was when I was first doing the U.S. Super Slam, you know, trying for the first one, it was. You know, get a turkey and get out and get down the road and get another state. As I've gone around the, the trip a couple of times, you know, I'm slowing down. I, I like to stay as long as I can. And even then, I, I'm, you know, five days is a long time to be in one spot. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, I like to stretch it out. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I'm going to kill a turkey and leave the woods, and I'm not in a hurry to get to another destination anymore. And that's cool. Yeah. Being yeah, where is. your feet are. That's right. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Doc's enjoying it and doing, you know, obviously I got my first slam and that was my biggest regret was not being able to hang out in camps. And I remember a few years ago, Doc, even though I was talking to Dr. Mike Chamberlain at the Bottomland Book Club at NWTF and we both referred to Doc Weddle as, uh, as very similar to avian, uh, the avian bird flu on turkeys because he's, he's that deadly. But there's still times that Doc, even in, in all of his experience and, and quite the turkey hunter, he gets humbled. I remember a few years ago, Doc, in Georgia, you just had a had a rough time, and you were there for quite some time. Oh, yeah. It might seem like I kill a lot of turkeys, but I spend a lot of time in the woods to kill those turkeys. There's a lot of days when I go home scratching my head and, and have my butt handed to me on a platter by, by, the, by the greatest game bird in the world. You know how that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm nothing special. <laughs> I just I just hunt a lot. <laughs> what what state would you say is the where the birds are the toughest? I don't think I can. Uh, you know, I've had easy birds in mm-hmm. every state. I've had hard birds in every state. Um, it just depends on on how much I guess how much pressure they have. Mostly, it's, it's how many hens they got around them. I mean, that's all, that's always been and always will be the the toughest uh, nut to crack right there. Hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with him. I, I can dock this toxic. I, forever, the Daniel Neal would always ask me, "Dad, Dad, what's the best state?" You know, because I nothing remotely that, but I I've been around a little bit, and they but they always wanted to label it by state, like Bobby just tried to do, and I was just nodding my head right to left. You can't do that. It's not. 
And I told yeah. him, it's yeah. not yeah. this, it's not the state, it's the place, which is a great gamekeeper yeah. message. You can do it anywhere. You don't have to have land in Kansas or Texas or whatever, some heralded state. You can do it anywhere. And so uh, I, I guarantee you, it, his answer was like, made me nod my head up and down. It doesn't matter about the state, it's the place, you know. And yeah. also, for sure, um, what makes uh, tough turkeys tough, uh, I think second is hunting pressure. Number one is hens. I would agree with him 100% on yeah. that. So, Doc, have you got any stories of uh, hunting this public land where people have uh, kind of messed you up, uh, you, where problems that you've had with other hunters, that, anything that would be interesting to tell? Well, uh, no special stories, I don't think. But, I mean, if you're going to hunt public land a lot, you're going to have encounters with other hunters. That, that's unavoidable. But I walk far and, and get away from those people. That, that's probably the, the modus operandi is to get away from people first and get into Turkey. Um, so I try to avoid that. And I don't have as many, as many instances of hunter interference as what, as you might think. I mean, there's still a lot of ground out there. And, and even though we've seen the big influx of hunters during this COVID and stuff in the last two or three years, uh, there's still, there's still plenty of opportunity out there and to get away from people. Hmm. Well, when you do run into somebody, you just have to, I just walk away, you know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to give somebody else a bird and, and rather than have one or either of us mess up the other one, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's parked in my spot, when I show up, I drive on down the road and go hunt someplace else. Mm-hmm. I hope that they'll treat me the same way. Most, a lot of them don't. Um, you just have to, you have to extend courtesy to your neighbors and your fellow hunters and, and, and treat each other with respect and, and try to, try to avoid those complications. There's no, Killing a turkey is not worth uh, any kind of uh, altercation or, or dangerous situation or anything like that. That's great wisdom from someone who arguably the best public land hunter ever or at the top of the list with a couple of people we know. Anyway, uh, I was just wondering, it was fascinating to me the few times I went that I learned there's kind of a unique culture to the the homeboys of a particular public area mm-hmm. and that if an outsider violates that sometimes they don't get treated so well. So there's, and that happens in some of the public duck places too. And all, I don't know about deer, but if you found that to be the case, as you traveled all these really cool public places, there's kind of a unique culture to the locals that if you adhere there's to def- common yeah. courtesies, but if you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some of that. Uh, there's a place down in Florida where, I won't even go. It's public ground, and I'm not going to go there because I've heard too many tales of people getting their tires stem slashed and, you know, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. windows bashed in. Uh-huh. It, and that stuff happens. But, uh, right. Well, I was thinking about there's like, you know, kind of a code of ethics, but, but, but the ones that have to hunt there all the time and have the run of it. And just like you said, if you're hunting and all of a sudden – I had an episode happen like that with a, it's the first time of an early youth season. The boys were river a little, so it was only open on public land. And one of the few turkeys, I think, on the public land place, we happened to just by luck happened to be working and people just went right by us, just walked right by us. And then when I finally got their attention, they ignored me. They got off in a ditch and crawled up this ditch, probably 45 minutes worth, and then took a 90 yard shot and wounded the turkey, didn't get it. It was a terrible experience. But I also heard later that the locals gave them a really rough time by violating the the code of ethics of like you don't 
like they, you do, like you said, you you have a common courtesy and a little bit of a code of honor or else. So, Doc, if you were hunting public land and you all of a sudden realize you're moving in when you're moving in on a bird that somebody else is already there set up, do you just back out or, or, or and and or do you sit down and let the hunt unfold so you don't mess anything up? What would be advice you would give to somebody in that scenario? Yeah, I'm either going to do one of two things. I'm going to back out and get out of there and hope there's still time to go find another turkey somewhere, or I'm going to sit down there and, and listen and see what he does, see whether he kills that turkey. And he may get, he may only be there for another hour, and he might leave, and that turkey's still alive. So, you know, I've done it, I've done it both ways. I've, I've vacated premises, and I've I stayed there and killed the turkey after somebody else has left. Well, I was just wondering that even more important than killing the turkey popped in my mind. Is there a, a rule of thumb you use as to signaling to someone that you're there to be safe versus sitting there? I guess I was just wondering if there's like they get within a certain range that's dangerous. Do you try to signal that you're there or do you just kind of sit tight and try to be invisible? I will do both. Uh, if I don't think they know I'm around and I'm in a pretty good fairly safe spot where I can observe and keep my eyes on what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm not going to tell him where, where I'm there yet. If, uh, if I, and if I see him doing anything, you know, that might endanger me, I, I'm definitely going to call out or whistle Dixie or Alhoot or or yelp really bad. I'm not going to yelp, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of times when I'll I want to I want to get their attention, want to let them know I'm there, and maybe they'll maybe they'll back out. You know, when when you're working a bird, sometimes a lot of people uh, people come in on you, and in that case, you definitely want to let them know you're there. You're already set up. You're in position to kill that turkey. And uh, I've had people like like you said walk right on by you and going out for that turkey. And uh, at, at at that point, those are that's a situation where I'll just get up and leave. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put up with that. Yeah, so. uh, that would be so aggravating. So uh, I'm looking at uh, Jason Hart. When, before this podcast started, he was talking about some of his friends that have been in Florida this year already, and on some youth hunts, and uh, we're, we're talking about every one of them had somebody come in and booger a hunt scouting turkey booger a hunt for a youth an adult that was scouting Jay, yes. could you explain oh, that a yeah bit? absolutely so a, a good friend that, that goes that actually toxie has known him way longer than i have our good buddy scott rhodes from south carolina uh his daughter drew a public land tag uh, as well as several other friends spence halford from rolling thunder and keelan samples who's also with rolling thunder they they're all their kids drew uh, a wma and every single one of them their hunts were ruined Saturday morning, last Saturday opening day by adult hunters scouting. And Scott had literally had birds coming in at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning off the roost coming to him 150 yards and could see the birds working their way in a, a hunter in blue jeans with a pistol on his side and binoculars literally made a beeline to him after Scott had called and literally ruined the kid's hunt. Hmm. Uh, I, you know, this is a, a G rated episode, so I can't say exactly what Scott said, but his <laughs> daughter told me daddy got fired up. And <laughs> luckily all three of those kids, they went back to those areas that evening and ended up killing three longbeards on opening oh. day. All three of them did. So hang with it. Congrats to congrats all the dads that took their, um, took their kids out. And it was, I was, 
feeling very guilty because I had a really cool kid uh, by the name of Gavin Bryan with me. And we, I was in Florida as a guest of Mike Tussie and uh, Osceola Outdoors and Apex just to tag along and watch. And our bird flew down at daylight, and I was sending text out, and their experience wasn't as cool, and I felt really guilty for a moment. But thank goodness all of them had success. But, yeah, they were um, – again, Florida public land can be, a, can be a tough place, like Doc said. Well, I think, you know, a, a good takeaway, though, is, you know, if guys just need, need to learn, you know, just treat other people like you'd want to be treated, I guess it is kind sure. of kind of a, the point to take away from there. But all yeah, this, there, there's so much – I think there's so much pressure these days to, to kill your bird, you know, yes. and get your picture on Facebook. Yes, and, so and sad. Let everybody know what a great turkey hunter you are. And everybody just needs to slow down and enjoy the sport for what it gives you and – the results aren't uh, the dead, dead turkey isn't the, the end all, be all that it. That a lot of people think it, it should. It is absolutely. Just keep it. Treat everybody with respect. Great, great again. Great wisdom. Um, Doc, this is Dudley here. I, I kind of want to just learn more about your system. Uh, so when the when the season opens, what do you you pack up a vehicle and hit the road? Do you you know, do you do a lot of camping or you uh, get in a room? You know, I, I want to hear more about uh, between the hunts and, and uh, what you do at night when you're hanging out and things. I'm a carpenter. I'm not very wealthy. So I've always had to go, you know, live eating meals out of coolers and, and sleeping on the road and camping out when I can. So I was always uh, focused on, on getting through the season, being able to afford getting through the season. So it's... Uh, I spend the first month in Florida. We've got a central camp down there where we, a bunch of us have been camping together for 30 years or more. And, uh, so I'm, I'm in a tent during that month because I love the tent camp. And then after I leave Florida and I'm on the road, I've got a, a big, uh, extended length, extended height van that is my turkey hunting machine. And it's also <laughs> my work machine. So. Uh, when I leave Indiana, I pull all my tools out, and then I throw all my camping and hunting stuff in, and away I go. And uh, I still love tent camping. If I know I'm going to be in a spot, you know, three, four, five days, I will. I'll still set up a tent. Uh, if I think it's a if it's a one bird state and there's a lot of birds, and I think I'm probably going to kill one in a day or two, uh, I'll stay in the van. Uh, just sleep in, in the van and, uh, it's a, it's tall so I can get up and walk around and be comfortable with, you know, raining or anything. And, uh, that's my method mostly. Um, I don't ever stay. I don't, I don't think I can count on a single hand the times I've stayed in a motel in all these years. Uh, I'll find a campground or something that's got, or a, uh, RV park that's got a hot shower now and again. I don't get too, worried about that because it's just me so <laughs> every three four five days that's plenty that's plenty <laughs> knock the knock the ticks off that's right and i i love i love little uh, mom and pop diners so i'm always looking for that kind of place to eat you know i used to have a cooler a lot but i i can't resist a good mom and pop diner so i'm i'm my my trip is dual turkey hunting and finding a good place to eat hey, okay. that's what i'm talking about yeah that does sound good. Wow. Lanny, um, you, you got a, or Dudley, you got another question? Well, I was going to say this is another 
off the wall question here, but you're talking about eating and you've probably taken more birds in, in different regions than, than most people we know. Um, have you ever noticed a difference in taste in a turkey, like a mountain turkey versus a Florida turkey or something like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I've, I've never really noticed a, t- a difference in the taste. I will say um, the birds I've killed in Hawaii, they've always got, or usually have got really white fat hmm. instead of the typical yellow fat of the stateside birds. And I'm, I'm sure it's what they're eating, but um, the taste is, is universal. I think universally mm-hmm. good. Uh, turkey's a turkey wherever you kill him, I think. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about that. Amen. <laughs> Yeah. What about preparations? Have you found anything? You know, we know how we like to do it around here. You know, a little bit of yeah. fry grease, but oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, of course, I believe in using the whole bird, and I and I probably think the legs are my favorite. Part. Absolutely. Um, so I'm always I eat a lot of fried turkey, of course, but then I do a thing up here when I like when I'm going to a Super Bowl party or something. I'll make what I call buffalo turkey strips, and that's just, you can cut up any part of the turkey you want, thighs, or breast, whatever, and bake them, and then uh, make a uh, buffalo hot sauce, like the, from the original, I've got the red recipe from the original buffalo hot sauce restaurant up in New York, and uh, dip them in that, and that's really good. Um, I grind burger, or grind the thighs and the wings, cut the meat off the thighs and wings, and grind that into burger. It's fantastic burger. Right? Hmm. Some of my favorite things. And I'll take those legs and I'll I'll wait till I have eight or ten or twelve, and put them in a big pot and boil them for three three and a half hours, and then I let them cool down and pull all the meat off of it. And I love to make up what I call turkey Manhattan, which is uh, good toasted bread. That pulled meat and then mashed potatoes and then after after you pull the legs out of the pot, boil that on down and, and use that as base to make the best tasting gravy in the world and then pour that gravy over top of that. That's one of my favorite things. Man, I'm getting hungry. I'm starving to death. My stomach, my stomach just started <laughs> yeah. around the last thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Lanny, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. And then you know when I'm on the road, a lot of people ask me this too, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, one of the the two questions that are asked most often, what's your favorite state and what do you do with all the turkey that you kill? Well, I can't eat it all when I'm on the road. You know, if, if, I, if it's going to be three or four, three weeks, I'd say, uh, before I get home, less than three weeks, I can pack it in ice and it'll be fine by the time I get home. If it's going to be longer than that, uh, I will, I'll find a waitress at a restaurant or a clerk at a grocery store or anybody and ask them if they want some turkey and I'll clean it and have it prepared for them and, and give it away. So I, cool. I don't want any of the bird to go away. That's, that's the most important thing to me. hundred percent. That bird deserves all the respect that you can give him. And, and that, and that entails eating every bit of him as you can or make sure, make sure he's eating. It just seems like everywhere you go, you're shedding a positive light on other the, you know, the whole turkey hunting community. So, you know, that waitress that I you, hope so. that waitress yeah. that you hooked up is going to think nicely of, of the next turkey hunt. Yeah. So for sure. I think that's our responsibility is to, is to portray, portray ourselves in a positive attitude. 
and and, uh, and spread the word, you know, about, what kind of good people we are. That reminds me about – I get that question a lot as well. And about 10 years ago, uh, about the time we started Nomad, when I was able to take off and roam for – uh, a long time I was on a long road trip and I ended up in Wyoming and my buddy that was the landowners like, man, we don't eat those nasty wild. We don't eat those nasty birds. I said, please mm. let me make my fried wild Turkey recipe soaked in pickle juice with, uh, with the Kentucky kernel batter. And I made it and they're like, we had no idea wild turkey was this good they're like well you just messed up because you're not allowed to hunt here anymore <laughs> yeah. I'm like uh-oh so be careful who you cook turkey for yeah. yeah that's true that's true i hear the same thing about ducks and geese you know i do a lot of waterfowl hunting and, and a lot of people will poo-poo and you know, the taste of a goose it's it, the people who say that haven't had it cooked right is all i can say goose is good Lane, I had never thought about doing the buffalo uh, yeah, turkey, that but and, and you know we ate at that restaurant. And yeah, the buffalo, I sure did. Yeah, we sure, anchor, anchor, somewhere in yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. in New York. That's the original chicken wing place. Yeah, you know the whole buffalo wing story is so sad because they say the sky used to be dark with buffalo. You know. Before the, before oh my gosh! Surely you got another. Can you buzz him? <laughs> when are you going to learn? Yeah. Yeah. We just know. got bobbied. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, you guys. Feel it's a long dark road. I'll send, I'll send you the recipe for that if you want. Hell, we oh, might yeah, have to do. Yeah, we might have to do that for sure. So we 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 appreciate this stimulating intellectual conversation so much, and we apologize greatly for Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Just realize we have to put up with him the, every the day. The younger generation right. now refers to that as dad jokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Jason, have you – are there uh, – you travel a lot, Terry Hunt. Are there some states that you just salivate and go, oh, this is going to oh, be absolutely. good? Oh, absolutely. Doc and I – literally, Doc read my mind. Uh, Florida, and I tell everybody, South Florida is my favorite place to turkey hunt in the world. Uh, and I've been everywhere. I've hunt, you know hunted everywhere with the exception of New Zealand. Yes, uh, South Florida is my favorite every year, and I, you know, I, I think it's a lot like what he said. Um, I would, I would mirror everything he said except for the snakes. I'm not a fan of the snakes, uh, but, but yes, I love it there. And like he said, Rhode Island is one place that if I had to pick one state that I've only, I've only shot one bird in Rhode, Rhode Island. That was, you know, that was really tough. Um, I'm fortunate that I have a great friend in Delaware. Delaware was my nemesis state. I had to go back took me four years to finally go to Delaware. And since then, I've been lucky and, and, and gone back and, and got a couple. But, yes, and Nevada. Nevada is – I mean, Nevada's the toughest tag. Next to a Goulds uh, in the United States, yeah. next to a Goulds tag uh, in Arizona uh, or New Mexico, which there's only one in the raffle and one's auctioned, Nevada is without a doubt the toughest turkey tag to get in America. It's either a landowner I didn't bring tag. Bring up yeah. that Arizona too. No, Arizona is a heartbreaker. That one's under my skin. Yeah, me too, <laughs> Doc. I've been, I, been applying there for about ten years. I'm the I'm the same. When I started, I'm the same, and we had to you had to buy the hunting license every year, which yeah, is expensive, and it just year. gosh, it just hurts me yeah. knowing I'm not going to hunt. But I got to You just got to keep applying, and and I've since I've just yeah. started applying for elk and bighorn sheep and all the other stuff just. Because I've already spent sure, the money on the tag, so. Yep. But yes, I, Doc and I are in the same boat, and most most folks chasing the the U.S. Super Slam have experienced the same. And what's what's interesting about, and, and you know, Doc's got way more experience than, than I do, and he has been a mentor for people like me. And back really before I was asking Doc uh, questions, and he was always 
uh, he, he was not giving out pins or he was not, but he'd say, oh, that's a pretty good area. He would give me a tip here and there. But um, but what's interesting is everybody's U.S. Slam experience in different states, like Toxie said, they're different. Um, you know, two states that come to mind for me are Louisiana and Arkansas. Well, the populations have gone way down. Me personally, I hunted uh, Arkansas for a half a day and I hunted Louisiana for a half a day and killed a turkey in each state. But then a state like Nebraska, which is has the reputation of being a slam dunk, I had to go back three times before I killed one because I was hunting on very pressured public land. And it's like Toxie says, you know, in my home state of South Carolina, I, I've done a spreadsheet of every single state, how how much I have hunted and in South Carolina the last few years I've done it. And the amount of days or half days I've hunted versus the output, for me, my home state's my worst. Not people are like, can you get me a bird in South Carolina? I'm like, uh, no. I, you know, I killed one last year and, you know, hunted – to, you know, 20 days. And so it mm-hmm. just depends on where you're at. And like Toxie said, if you've got, you know, turkeys, if you've got a place that's got good habitat, uh, you hit it the right time without the hens and it's not pressured. Turkeys can be easy anywhere, but turkeys can be tough. I've chased Merriam's and struggled in states like Arizona. Um, you know, that, 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 you know, people say, oh, Merriam's are easy. No, I've hunted birds and I've hunted birds out West. They're every bit as tough as a bird you'd find here in Mississippi or Alabama or South Carolina. Merriam's give me fit. They, <laughs> they hit the ground running, yeah. and they don't stop until a lot of shot hits them upside the head. <laughs> yeah. You can keep up. You got to just keep up with them and stay with them, and eventually yeah. they'll stop somewhere where they decide it's the right time, right place. But man, they give me fit. I've had more trouble with Merriam's than any of them. Toxie, you've traveled a lot. Last year, actually, actually I don't. Well, uh, but last year you wanted out west I've just somewhere. Been, I've been hunting them probably longer than anybody here, mm-hmm. but I haven't traveled <clears throat> as much probably. Yeah. So, but I mean, is there a state though that you go, "Ooh, uh, man, that's exciting. I want to go there." Um, yeah, I would say Alabama. <laughs> yes, in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the world. I'm the different. I'm the world's homeboy. most gigantic homeboy. So my my big big rush is, you know, it's not even killing one on my own place. It's like just the privilege of having some. Right. It's such a rush just to go and hear them and stuff. So that's me. But um, I would go. I would. You know, Florida. Honestly, it's like um, I never knew this, but I think. Doc Chamberlain mentioned that some of their genetic research may indicate that the origins of the species is kind of the Osceola and or, or southern, like way south Alabama Osceola. That some of that is all common. I just it's something that it you feel like you're hunting like the origin of the bird down there. So yes. wild the way they do gobble is so reminiscent of what I grew up with in way south Alabama too. Uh, almost mysterious at the same time. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess if I had to say Florida, but it, it, I'll say this. Anywhere, it's like my daddy would people say, here's a saying, here's a Mr. Foxism. So people would constantly say, well, that'd be a pretty place to work a turkey right there, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. And someone's, oh, look at that. Boy, that'd be, that sounds, Bobby's all romantic about stuff. Bobby would be one to say, I'd love to work a turkey in that bottom right there on that ridge. And my daddy would say, any place he's gobbling good is a great place to work a turkey. Yeah. Hey, Doc, let me ask you this. Listening to Toxie made me remember a question I wanted to ask. Where do you, what do you think about the legend of the mossy head? Mm. He's a believer. Wow. I don't, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. I'm going to tell you a sad tale. Uh, 
I was in New York one time, and this isn't this isn't those Florida Southern mafia mafia hits, but I had a turkey strut up to me in the woods, and bearded gobbler strutted the whole way up a bearded turkey. And as it got close, I I started looking at this turkey, and I thought, I think that turkey's sick. There's something I don't know whether he's got avian pox or something. His head looked fuzzy and and didn't know what it was, you know. That turkey walked, there was a lean pine tree about 30 yards from me, and that turkey walked up that pine tree and got up to the first limb and sat there on that limb for about 15 minutes. And I had a pair of binoculars out, and I'm looking at that turkey and looking at that turkey thinking, what is wrong with him? And finally, it got down, came right back down that pine tree, and I thought, I'm going to shoot that gobbler just to see what's wrong with him I think he's sick and I did and it was a hen she strutted up there with a long beard she had a 10 inch beard and uh, I felt so sick she looked fuzzy because she was fuzzy headed and when I opened her up and saw all those eggs that just made me sick Mm. I've never gotten over that experience Mm. it's legal to kill but I just felt terrible well, I, I don't know about those southern mafia head turkeys. I've never dealt with that. I've never, I've never experienced any so abnormally I, small turkeys. Other than the, a lot of the birds in Florida, I've killed mature long spur gobblers in Florida that weigh thirteen pounds. Yes, several of them. Yeah. So, so maybe that's the ones they're talking about. I grew up hunting that, and um, even up into like Sumter County, where we have a place, and we've hunted for a long time. You know, Uncle Bud was from there too. Yeah, and I've. Killed and seen. <clears throat> so um, it's different. There's something different. And I, what I, what it is is maybe legend, but there's it's true. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, quite a few um, long spur um, or relatively long spur, long beard, not necessarily thick, 12, 11, 13-pound turkeys. With, uh, but the most unique thing is – the feathers in the back come all the way up on top of the head. Mm-hmm. Very different, like similar to a hen, but even maybe more so almost. Red wattles, but not nearly as pronounced as like the ones here or ones from, say, in Missouri or stuff like that. Much, much skinnier head, but totally gobbler. I've seen a couple of dozen over time people talk about the mossy headed turkeys and whatever. Now, what that means, I don't even know if Doc Tramlin knows for sure. I think we ask him that and he's thinking, Maybe it is kind of the origins of the species is still around. I've never heard of it outside of that, you know, southwestern Alabama down into Florida kind of area, but I don't know for sure. I will say this, though, by my limited experience of that, knowing for sure it was like one of those kind of turkeys, every time I ever hunted one or killed one or had someone with me that did, they gobbled their freaking brains Mm -hmm. out. Now, it's probably just a factor of he was lonely, didn't have hens or whatever, but I just still remember this turkey's killing himself with this big old booming rattle gobble like, you know, Osceola's have that great rattle to their gobble. And it was this mossy-headed kind of turkey thing. Or, you know, Bob Dixon and Merritt Rogers and some of the – on that Delaney place down there in South Sumter County, yeah. they would yeah. – where they've had turkeys forever. And uh, I've seen quite a few of them. They call them mossy-headed turkeys, but they're not really – fuzzy or disease it's like the feathers come all the way up to the top of their head and they have some even on top of their head you think they're a little more hot-blooded than a? I don't know I mean it 
Doc knows ten times more, and so does Jason to me. But f- the Florida turkeys, what I have find fun about them is they're a little eccentric, and they're like it seems like to me. Doc, tell me if I'm wrong, please. But they will be like they won't say a word, and then they gobble. They might gobble ten times in thirty seconds, and then they might go quiet again on you. And I'm not they're probably moving, but they seem to be more like, almost compulsive about the gobbling. But at the same time, reserved. Does that make sense? Are they a little different about that? In Florida, I think uh, there's a world of difference between private land turkeys and public land turkeys. I bet. <laughs> Those ones on public land, they get hunted pretty hard, and, and, they, and they're, they're living in a different environment. They're living in a jungle environment where there's not fields and stuff. You know, they're, they're working, forming through cypress knees and palmettos and stuff and maybe that's why but they are a lot more quiet than a public than a private land bird so they might gobble today and then they might do they might might gobble three or four times a day and then they might do the same thing next week is that (laughs) is it tend to be pretty quiet is that pretty much a public land pressured bird everywhere is it just accentuated in florida you think I think it's accentuated in Florida, and I and like I say, I think it's due to the thickness of the habitat. They're used to getting chased by bobcats and and, and cougars and everything else that eats turkeys down there. They, they learn to hush up a little bit. I think you know, goblins are risky business, and uh, it, oh, yeah. and it attracts well, a lot of stuff. Time, yeah. So, so Jason, where do you fall on this mossy head? You keep you jumped up and got excited like we. I saw one ground check last Saturday, flat mm-hmm. out. If anybody says it doesn't exist, oh, I know it exists. I yeah. have seen at least a dozen killed on one property in South Florida, and there's going to be a video coming out by Apex Ammunition very soon, and you will see the turkey come up in full strut, and you will see the feathers on the back of his head erect. And yes, every bird that my buddy Mike Tussie hunts on this one property i'm not going to tell the exact location let's just go ahead and say it's about as far south in florida as you can hunt and every one that i've seen and like i said it's i've personally shot i think two off that property been a part of about a dozen hunts that i was witnessed every single bird on that property weighs less than 15 16 pounds has dark black wings and has feathers going up the back of the head. And that is the area of South Florida where there's Burmese pythons, Eastern diamondback rattlers, lots of Florida panthers, lots of black bears. And the property we hunt is at least 15 miles off a paved road, just maybe the most remote part of Florida that I know of. And every saying it's a genetic, it's, it's absolutely genetics, but mm-hmm. who knows if that, sure. and we, we hunt turkeys North of Okeechobee, in that whole area, and the birds, you know, it's not uncommon to shoot 21-pound Osceolas. They've got dark wings, but they don't have the fur coming up the head. So it's, it, I think it's definitely, and it may be just down in that Everglades area that that's prevalent. And, but I've also, uh, I harvested one in South Carolina back in 20 years ago, weighed 13 pounds, had the hair going up the head, really dark like an Osceola. So it's very much, and I know Lovett Williams and his all of his publications, you know, he called the cross of the Osceola Eastern Range, you know, starting the low country of South Carolina down through South Georgia, South Alabama, South Mississippi, Louisiana. And I do. I think that, you know, you get North Florida, the birds a little bit Osceola, a little bit Eastern, and you get the Southern Range like where Toxie grew up hunting. And yeah, there's 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 a little they're they're not the they're not the same Easterns that you shoot mm. in 
Vermont or Missouri or no. or the really northern, you know, even even northern parts of these states. Uh, for sure. I mean, for sure. The turkeys that I grew up hunting and pretty much around here, but, but for sure, like western and south Alabama uh, are way, way more like the Florida turkeys, even in south Florida. Uh, they're way more like those turkeys than they are a Missouri or a Iowa or a Indiana Eastern. Yeah. Way more like them. We ought to, we ought to just call here's them Southeasterns. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, here's, here's a little something that a lot of people don't know. Uh, I've never even seen anything about, written about it. But uh, one of our patriarchs down in our Florida turkey camp was David Caudill. He was an old man, fascinating guy. had a million stories. And he used to work for Lovett Williams and David Austin down at Fishing Creek back in the, you know, 60s and 70s and stuff. And uh, he told me, and I know it's the gospel truth because he said it, and that's the kind of guy he was, that they shipped turkeys out of out of that area, uh, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, as far north as, as Wisconsin, South Carolina. They shipped to Florida out of state regularly long before they were being introduced anywhere around the country Hmm. you know that that's interesting i was i was on a property literally right across the street from where lovett williams had his fish eating keep creek camp and a good friend of mine uh, by the name of tommy who's 84 years old he refers to me as brother Hart. he's just an awesome florida cowboy fourth generation floridian at 84 he knew Lovett Williams personally, and he said, I've seen, he goes, i got 8-millimeter footage of Lovett trapping turkeys, and i got 8-millimeter footage of his airplane that he used to put turkeys in yep. and drop turkeys out of the airplane on other properties, <laughs> yep. places in Florida, and who knows where yep, else. Yep. But, but yeah, it's what Doc just said. I literally heard that similar story uh, yeah, on, on last Saturday day, night. Ha- yeah. Half of that fishing creek was public, and half of it yep. was leased. David and I think David and, and Lovett had that lease, and they did turkey hunts on that property. And they would trap turkeys from one side from the public land and take and bring them over onto the other side too. They were using pole traps and stuff back then. Yeah. Hmm. Lovett Williams was literally, you know, if you talk to any of the turkey biologists, such as Dr. Mike Chamberlain and Dr. Brett Collier, Lovett was the he was the man for years. Did more research on the wild turkey until what our friends have done recently. But for years, he, you know, everything a lot that we knew about the wild turkey came from Fish Eating Creek and Lovett Williams. And it's I, I, it literally Absolutely. his 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 story needs to be told because he was without a doubt a pioneer in the world of of wild turkey biology. Mm. Yeah, no yeah, doubt about too. that. Interesting stuff. So, uh, before before we move on to another topic, is there Atlanta? You got anything else you want to ask about? You, you know. So, I'd like to ask you guys. So, for the last uh, anybody listening to our podcast, we talked about Rios and we talked about Miriams, and we, I'd like to ask you guys what you could tell us about Goulds and in Mexico. Well, Doc, you're more than welcome to get started. I know your first Goulds hunt, if I'm not mistaken, was. We called you the night uh, Neil Daniel Hayes and I called Stephen Spurlock, and y'all were on your way down to Mexico for the first time. But I've personally, <clears throat> I've been on five Goulds hunts um, in two different states. I've hunted in uh, the state of Chihuahua with my good friend Manuel Enriquez at his El Halcón. He's been a longtime friend of Mossy Oak for years. And I also hunted in the state of um, Aqua de Calientes, and I love it. Absolutely love it down there. Those birds, when they're when they're not pressured, they are fun. And these birds will 
will be on the roost and you let out a yelp and they're gonna fly a mountain to you sometimes but they can be hard so and doc you hunted yeah, in we, a, you hunted in a different state than i have we did um i went down with steven spurlock and and uh keith Ott, uh and and then some guys from um uh um oh shoot My, uh woodhaven went down with some guys from woodhaven and um we went to Chihuahua, and we drove into an area that was seventy-five thousand acres, a single single ranch, and there hadn't been a gringo hunting on that place since like two thousand and five. It was amazing. Um, my gosh, there were turkeys everywhere, and like you say, they're they're on pressure, totally on pressure, and we would call in groups of twenty-five to thirty at a time, you know, mostly gobblers or jakes. And uh, we just, we had a wonderful trip. We were there four days. We just killed one turkey each day and spent the whole rest of the time filming uh, video and, and still footage. And then uh, just had a wonderful time. Yeah, Mexico, awesome. Mexico is such a gorgeous and wild place. And obviously the the 900-pound elephant in the room is, you know, the potential for, for danger. And the crime that happens. Um, you know, we've heard, you hear stories that occasionally happens and at least in my experiences, um, I've, I've been fortunate enough. I've, I've harvested five goulds and five oscillated and been down on seven different trips and I've never once felt unsafe, but obviously, you know, it's like if you go to a big city, if you go to Detroit or Atlanta or, you know, Memphis, you could, you know, end up on the bad side of town. But most mm. of the hunts take place in very rural areas uh, that are, you know, surrounded by farming communities. But, but yeah, that's the, um, you know, that's the biggest, biggest question I get about Mexico. Is it safe? Yeah, who would want to kidnap you, though, Jason? Yeah, exactly. I'm broke. I'm ugly. I mean, what, what are you going to get ransom? You going to get some turkey calls out of me? You know? <laughs> oh, maybe an old green leaf eight seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, like I said, my, my – my turkey gun collection and my turkey call collection is worth more than my 401k plan. So, <laughs> so I've, I've got a friend you guys have all met him, Rhett Kelly. This mm-hmm. a, he's a big tur- taxidermist and turkey hunter. And he got all his life, he's guided out west for turkeys for a, a, some operations. I can't remember the names of them, but he's guided for ghouls. And he te- I mean, he's hunted all over. He tells me it's the most, the most beautiful. And the most enjoyable turkey hunt he's ever been on, and he said that country down there oh, is just is. stunning. It is. It it reminds me, and Doc, I don't know what your experience was, but in Agua Calientes, it reminded me of hunting the remote hills of West Virginia, and then in Chihuahua, it reminded me of Colorado, New Mexico, Montana, but just so vast and so. I mean, miles and miles of nothing that just just so gorgeous. And so many parts of Mexico are so remote and rural. You know, we always hear about the bad crime in the big cities, and there are big cities, and you know, bad things do happen there sometimes. But the the rural countryside of Mexico, it just uh, you know, I can just imagine what the what the old Western folks you know hundred years ago witnessed. It's mm-hmm. just such a pretty place. So, Mac, you look like we you got a. Kinda, uh, go ahead, Doc. We had kind of an interesting experience, um, like. Like Hart just said, the the we were hunting in the Sierra Madre Occidental mountain range, which is pinyon oaks and and sporadic ponderosa pines, real sparse looking, arid looking country, uh, real pretty. And uh, getting back into that ranch, it was about twenty eight miles off the paved road, and 
there's a bunch of us. We're in a we're in a caravan of seven or eight different vehicles, and and we, I was in the last vehicle, and we're stretched out over a couple miles, and uh, we're we're about a mile and a half or so from the cabin we're going to stay in, and I look up, and there's a guy in out in the woods. And he's—I haven't seen a house or a car or a truck or anything for 28 miles. And then all of a sudden, there's this guy in the woods, and he's wearing black pants and black shirt, black long sleeve shirt, got a black do rag over his head, and he's carrying an AK-47. And I thought, oh my gosh, we are in trouble now. Uh, I was pretty worried, you know, because I've heard all the stories about the violence in Mexico and stuff. I knew what's been going on. And we get back to the cabin and. And I pull the outfitter and, and the, our interpreter and our guide over to one side, and I said, did you guys see that wooden ninja back there? And, and they go, no, 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 nobody saw him. I said, well, I'm talking to the interpreter. I said, uh, what do you, who, who do you think this was? What do, you, what do you think he was cartel? And the guy goes, oh, see, see, he's cartel. <laughs> I go, oh, no, are we going to get murdered in our sleep tonight and robbed and stuff, kidnapped, whatever? He goes, no, don't worry, amigo. He's our cartel. <laughs> <laughs> These guys, you know, we never saw another guy the whole time we were there, but they were looking out for us. They were, yeah, they yeah, were my, making sure we were safe. My friends, wow. my friends that ran into the cartel, they were scared to death, and they walked up to the window and gave them knuckles and, and gave them a beer and congratulated them on their turkey. So, so nice. they're, they, they, yeah. what I've been told is they want to stay – they don't need any attention on them if you do run into That's them. That's right. There, so. Yeah, and we bring a lot of money down into the, to that place. Yeah, for them, yeah. So they don't want to stop. They want to do anything that's going to risk that. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm just kind of like amazed. If yeah. I, I think if I'd been sitting on the side of a mountain and saw somebody like that, I don't know what I would have yeah. done. You would have yeah. screamed and run off. I can tell you what <laughs> you did. Yeah. It's not uncommon. I've I've seen. I've been canoeing on the Rio Grande before and seen a jeep full of folks with machine guns on their backs just ride by i'm like okay did you wave at them uh, no <laughs> <laughs> just off the cuff uh maybe a word or two or three when we mention each subspecies what's the first thing that comes to mind maybe about their personality or such sure, uh, sure. so what would like eastern thunderous gobbles big heavy beard beautiful gorgeous chestnut tip tail fans i love them yeah uh rios the least wary of the species <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh miriams miriams uh like i said earlier they give me fit uh road runners long legged road runners that go miles and miles and miles uh we just mentioned goulds but go ahead with that yeah they're beautiful white tips i mean big wide white tips on their feathers uh, the only two 12-inch beards I've ever seen in my life were the two birds I killed. They had 12 and a 16-inch beards, each one of them. Um, big body. Are there, bird. are there any ghouls in the United States? Arizona, New Mexico. Yes, down in the – they were they were originally down there. Uh, and they over time, they uh, they they had uh, they had been wiped out, you know, south of Tucson and then – a little mountain range is right on the Arizona New Mexico border, and you know, with the help of wild turkey, you know, re, of wild turkey researchers and the National Wild Turkey Federation, state of New Mexico and state of Arizona, they were brought back. I, I want to say about twenty five plus years ago, and now there's a, a 
a very huntable population in southern Arizona. It is a draw. And then New Mexico offers two tags. They offer a a lottery uh, uh, auction, excuse me, a lottery uh, raffle that they do with the NW, uh, New Mexico NWTF chapter. And you can purchase one in the auction at the NWTF convention. So, so yes, there's, but they're, they're a tough tag to get. Hmm. Um, but I do have several friends that have drawn Arizona. And if you draw, um, it's, the hunting is pretty incredible, but but it's a lot easier to kill one in Mexico. It just, uh, you know, obviously it's uh, the the issues we discussed are are the drawback there. Yeah, go ahead, Dud. And then lastly, uh, Osceola. He's a complicated little fella. Uh, <laughs> he either gobbles a lot or he doesn't gobble at all. Long legged, small body, uh, long spur, wispy beard. Uh, I love him dearly. I love his habitat, and I love I love the cobbler. And uh, I guess while we're on the subject, what's your take on oscillated uh, comparatively? I've never had a burning desire to go down there. I, I mean, I, I I chase the gobble, you know, and they don't gobble. My gosh, they've got wicked hooks, uh, no beard, beautiful to look at, iridescent feathers, um, gorgeous. It would be an interesting hunt, and I got uh, some friends that have gone down there after them, and they've had a great time. I would go if somebody wanted to take me down there. <laughs> uh, it's not a burning desire, though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I can see that. I love what he said, though, man. So many things I admire in the wisdom, but he said, I chase the gobble, and mm-hmm. it's so me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Love what it. I do, I, I'm at peace every year. If I can just get up in the morning and go hear one, Starting now, basically, mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of at peace again, and it's like oh, the yeah. sadness when you have to leave that, and it's not it, literally it's not killing them. That's just part of it. It's fun, but it's just the yeah. fact that I got to stop getting to hear them again until next spring. It's kind of always makes me so sad. In the early days when I first started hunting, uh, it was a successful season if we just heard a turkey. Yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. have a stand, we didn't stand chance of killing him, but just hearing him and that's what that's what gets me up in the morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Funny you said that, Toxie. Uh, last Saturday, I recorded at the beginning of every season. This year, for me, February 25th at 5.58 a.m., I heard my first gobble down so in South cold. Florida. Yep. Every year, I'd, I'd make a mention, and that's mm-hmm. my breath. It's like life has been breathed into me again. <laughs> that's amazing. The Great Awakening. So do, do we have what, – what was that? That was a gobble. Yeah. Don't do that to me. He's supposed to know what that is. <laughs> that, that, that's not fair. So, does anybody have any more questions for Doc well, before I, we turn it over to Dudley? I, I wanted to know a little bit more about his hunting personality. Uh, Doc, are you are you like the person that carries a whole bunch of different calls, or, or do you typically stick to one style most of the time? I am not of the guy who carries a lot of calls. I usually carry one or maybe two uh, pot calls, usually glass, um, two or three diaphragms, and that's really about all I ever carry. Um, I'm not what you'd call super aggressive, but at the same time, I can, if, it, if I think it calls for it. Um, I spend a lot of time trying to uh, have a conversation with a turkey rather than just throwing out turkey sounds. Um, I'm, I can sit forever um, if I need to. And a lot of times it's called for, you know, you, you get into a place where you're not hearing any goblin, but you're seeing lots of signs, you know, there's turkey there. 
uh, unless somebody killed him before you got there, which is always a possibility. I'm like, I guess I'm a combination. Uh, I'll, I'll walk a lot, a lot of miles to find turkeys, but then once I find turkeys, I really slow down everything and concentrate on, on, uh, becoming one with the woods and, and waiting them out if it takes, if that's what it calls for. Well, calling them in if I can. Well, you you read my mind. I was going to follow up with how aggressive are you, so that was perfect. Doc, I know we're we're running we're running short on time, but my my last question I have is: correct me if I'm wrong. You have four, are you lacking four states for your fifth U.S. Super Slam? Is that correct? No, I'm one state shy of number four. Don't want to say shy of number and four. And then, uh, yeah, Missouri, and then I'm. Four other states shy of a fifth. There you go. Uh, that was so I, so I'd need two from Missouri, and then there's Arizona, Nevada, Wyoming, and North Carolina. Well, I'd hate to be a turkey in those states over the next couple of springs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to get them all knocked out this spring. Wow. They're all on the schedule. Yeah, well, good luck oh, for that. Fun. So that talks you look like you finished say something. Well, I've just been not necessarily. I just hope that uh, everybody. You know, you, you first of all, we got to be careful, like looking up to people, because I, you know, I tell people, don't put me on a pedestal or whatever. But if you're going to look up to someone who's had a life, who's been able to have the the privilege to spend the time he has and know so much, like wisdom, turkey wisdom, so wor- much worldliness. I mean, I hate to compare; it might be the most ever. I hope people listen to the wisdom that he gets, because when he looks back, he has very few regrets. I know there's some because he's handled himself with class and character. He adapts his hunting style to the way the turkey, he he smells the roses and is grateful for every day he gets to sit in the woods. And even if it means not shooting one that day to do the right thing or walk away from a hunt, he does it that way. And so uh, I just, you know, rather than me preaching about me or something, that's wrong anyway. I just, I, I, I gained a lot of stead from listening to him today. And I hope everyone else did too. Yeah, I Absolutely. think so too. Well, so, yeah. I I think I would caution anybody looking up to me too much because I I see myself as terribly flawed. I have no sense of obligation or responsibility that allows me to spend three months turkey hunting rather than doing things that I ought to be doing. <laughs> no. Yeah, but you're per, you're per, That's nothing you, to be admired. Yeah, you know. So that brand do do. You, you know, it's just the, the perspective and the wisdom, though, is undeniable. And so for that, you sharing that with us. And, you know, because it, I think it'll help a lot of people have more fun, get more out of it. Maybe not just necessarily be a better turkey hunter, per se, but just your approach to life in general through turkeys is, um, you know, I, it, mine's nothing like yours, but the love is the same. I promise you, and the feeling that you talk about that I get from it and uh, is the same. And you know, from what Hart said, the same with him. It's like there's something that uh, what I love to celebrate is the the season of rebirth, you know, and not just, you know, with the world, with our faith, with the turkeys. And so there's something that wakes up and is just joy that, you know, they're gobbling and you can experience it. And there's something that's kind of sad when it goes away. We have to go on with life and live for the next year on it. But um that's just a little piece of that is I think really cool for everybody to latch on to in their own way, not your way, my way, Jason's way, Bobby's way, but in their own way, in their own walk of turkey hunting. It's really cool. Thank you. I think we're all, all of us here cut from that same cloth, and I, it's, it's a pleasure spending time with guys that feel the same way I do. 
so so doc uh I, i've got one question for you have have you found a woman that'll put up with uh with the way you uh, <laughs> Uh, periodically, but not for long. <laughs> I feel your pain. Boy, yeah. you and Jason have so much in common. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So years ago, years years ago, Turkey Call Magazine uh, gave me a free ad, ad space. And what did I do with mine? I, I said, well, I'm looking for a woman who wants to spend three months of the year turkey hunting. You know how many responses I got? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, That's hilarious. I, I'm, I'm still waiting on on the gamekeepers uh, dating uh, classifieds yeah. of the magazine. And, That's a great yeah, idea. They, they yeah. si- sign me up. Yep. Uh, the yeah turkeysonly.com. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Walking around that convention a couple weeks ago, there's a lot of women in that convention. There's guys. It, that was heartwarming. To yeah, see. Yeah. There's got to be a lot of good ones out there that uh, they would be interested in. You just need to have broke down carpenter with adding. You no need sense of responsibility. You need one that has the have slate call will travel mentality. <laughs> Well, we'll, right. we'll go to work on that because we we've actually kind of played uh, matchmaker a time or two before. <laughs> oh, Bobby, no, doc, so. doc, please. Enter <laughs> uh, with discretion, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Bobby's not. The- when Doc and I had that conversation right after NWTF, I said, you know, every year I go to Nashville and I look around NWTF convention, and one thing that I'm I think I'm certain of is that turkey hunters marry way over their head is all I can say. This one did. Yeah. 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 So look, doc, we're going to turn it over to Dudley and let him rapid fire some questions. Uh, Dudley, I don't know what you're doing here. Tell me. Uh, We've got some rapid fire questions for Jason. Oh, for Jason. Okay. So, so doc, if you'll hold on, don't, don't go anywhere. Mac, Mac has a question after this for you. So, all right, go ahead, Doc. All right, Jason, you, you've done this before, correct? I believe I have. Or have yeah. you witnessed it? I've witnessed okay. it. I've heard it. Okay. so been a fan. Um, we're going to try to go quick with this, and uh, we just we just want everybody to get to know you better. So okay. uh, are you ready? Well, and this might – there might be a lady listening, and and, this, and, and, and that this might help her. Hey, okay. Uh, okay. Fire, hey, fire uh, brought to you by our friends at Springfield. Armory, yeah, Springfield, that's right. Thank you, Donna. Um, all right. So, are you ready? Fire away. All right. Football or baseball? Football. Sweet or unsweet? Unsweet. Crawfish bowl or shrimp bowl? Crawfish bowl. Interesting. Red, redfish or red snapper? Redfish. Pump action or semi-auto? Both. Florida or Montana? Florida. Maine or Nevada? Nevada. Hawaii or Mexico? Ooh. Uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Only one style of call. What would it be? Box call. What's more important, coffee or breakfast? Coffee. Pants tucked in your boots or over your boots? Tucked in my boots because my legs are short, and if they're over, they're going to drag the ground. Uh, lastly, bottomland or hill country? Ooh, that might be the toughest. I'm going to say hill country just because it's rare. You're just kind of that. You're a hill country. Uh, kind of if guy. I can, I've only got three pieces of All it. All right, good answers. Yes. I like it. Hmm. That one surprised me. Shrimp bowl and crawfish bowls a little bit off, but I've had so many shrimp bowls in my life. Being from South Carolina, crawfish bowl is a is is a treat. I don't get them as much as y'all get here in Mississippi. I don't know why. That was a question I had last week 
why don't we have crawfish bowls in South Carolina? They're not as – we have oyster roasts. You have rice fields. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We've got plenty of crawfish. It's just not something we have. And then when I lived in Maryland, we had crab feasts. So uh, it's it's interesting how different regions have different seafood go-tos. But, yes, but I'm a fan of crawfish. Okay, so moving know. right along. Thank you, Dudley. Uh, looking at Mac, we uh, Doc, hopefully you're still there. Mac has a trivia question. If you get this trivia question right, one of our listeners who has left us a review wins a fabulous prize. And if you don't All get right. if you don't get the question right, they're going to spend a week with you as you travel through their state. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a like a deal. So the good news, Doc, is you've got Jason on the couch for a backup. So if you need to phone a friend, you can definitely phone Jason on this one. Okay. All All right. right. So you're playing for Fire Chief 800, who left us a review, uh, and the prize is a Heath brand Gamekeeper bird feeder. All right. So the question is, what chain restaurant sells the most steaks? Steaks? Steaks. Now think about this Mm. now. Chain restaurant selling steaks. Yeah, you. you. Uh, I'd say uh, Texas Roadhouse. Well, let's think about this thing now. Let's let Jason weigh in here real quick on <laughs> that's, this. That's pretty strong. There's two that popped in my mind. One is well known. One would be obscure. So I'd, do I get? I'd go with the well known. <laughs> all right, all right. So the well known in my mind was Outback Steakhouse. Followed by obscure, I was thinking Waffle House. Hey, Waffle House is it. Boom. <laughs> that's that's it. it. That is, wow. Yes. Hey, steak and, and eggs at Waffle House. That's so, it. Tell them how many they sell a day. That, so Waffle House sells more than 10,000 steaks a day. Wow. I've definitely had some quarter-inch thick Waffle House steaks <laughs> with eggs. That are, yeah. And it, it fits my low-carb diet when I'm uh, – that's, that's, a, that's a typical go-to when I'm there. Well – yeah, so we kind of roundabout got to that uh, to that answer, Fire Chief. So we'll uh, so guys, y'all want to check out Heath Brand is making some really neat. We got some out front. I Jason, saw those, and my feeders. mom is a bird fanatic, and and she's recovering from cancer and doing very well. But birding, looking out the backyard and seeing her birds are there, and I now know her. Uh, her Christmas and birthday gifts. And hey. houses. There you go. Bird yeah, feeders great. And They're yeah, great looking. A bunch of stuff. So Such a good fit for, for <clears throat> gamekeepers. So, guys, do we have any concluding thoughts? Anything we want to wrap it up with? No, I'm I'm just excited to have been able to meet uh, yeah. the coolest vagabond turkey hunter on the planet. I, I mean, just, that- I feel privileged is the word I feel right now to listen to him. And for me, I was thinking about this, and the, the way the hunting industry's been is, you know, at one time people really looked up to outdoor riders, and then it switched to television personalities, and now there's influencers on social media. Doc is none of the above, but Doc has three books out, and if you would like to learn about Doc, learn about harvesting a turkey in every state, and just learn, you will pick up some really interesting facts about his story and his life, and uh, and I encourage you to look that up. I, I totally agree. I'm glad you brought that up. That was one of the points I wanted to close with. And so, Doc, we've enjoyed having you. Is there anything you want to say before we let you go? No, it's it's just been a pleasure talking with you guys. It's been a ton of fun. I was nervous coming in. Didn't know. I didn't don't know any of you real well, and and uh, it's just been a been a good time. Yeah, well, that's good. Hopefully, one day we'll we'll all get to sit under a tree sometime. You know, somewhere. it's it's amazing how 
the common love of something, especially if it's in nature, will unite people that have never really talked to each other. Because, I mean, it was like I was so synchronized with so many things, so many emotions that you were describing that it was a just a privilege to listen to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, I think we've uh... – We've been here a while. It's, by, it's getting close to lunch. I know. It's past lunch. Yeah, Lanny, Lanny just got up and ran out. That's I think right. he was he was hungry. So, <laughs> so look, uh, Jason. Thank you for being here, and uh, we're we're so excited to uh, everything that's going on. Uh, please, would you send us a post of that mossy head turkey that maybe we yeah, could? Absolutely. Uh, it's um. It, it's you know Gavin. Uh, Gavin shot that bird last week, and then Apex Ammo is coming out with a video very soon. That should be posted on their social media, and we can share definitely share that with gamekeepers. Yeah, it's again if it comes to the mossy head. I know in Tom Kelly's book, The Tenth Legion, he mentioned them, yep. and I think he might have said it was somewhat of an old wives' tale. Well, I'm here to tell you, I have no. ground checked them, and I've seen them, and I touched one last Saturday. Yep, that's very cool. That's exciting. All right, Toxie, you got you got anything else to add? No, just let's get ready to go listen again. There you go. Well, why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Thanks, Doc, and goodbye, Dudley. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.